Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wild Ones Podcast, episode 15. I'm Francis. This is Jimmy. This is the show where we chat about bike stuff. You good? Yeah, not bad. How are you? I'm excited. Why? Because I think your favorite cycling bib shorts in the world have ever, ever been created. Do you Wait, think that sentence didn't make sense. It didn't, know. But do you, do you think that's true? Bearing in mind, I own and have operated a cycling company that makes bib shorts that I get to design for the last eight years, ten years, whatever it is. Yes. And why did you never design some made out of denim? Um, because it's unnecessary. And so, if I wanted to wear denim shorts, I would just wear jean shorts, hmm. which I have done. Not with bibs on? No, and not needed. But think about how much better they'd be if they had bibs on. Um, well, I could always put bibs underneath. Mm. Why? What have you got for me, Francis? AG2R think that bib shorts made out of denim are a great idea. Well, probably not everyone on the team. Maybe they hate them. <laughs> but <laughs> the powers that be, <laughs> the AGR, AG2R team debuted jean cycling bibs. Jibs. Jibs. Oh, wow. Earlier this year. Uh, now they're doing the rounds in the Cycling Press. Cycling Weekly reviewed them and gave them 4.5 out of 5 stars. You have said in the past how much you rate denim as a cycling trouser material. Yeah, but I'm talking like actual jeans. I, I, as in like literally jean shorts, which is what I, I've worn around town for a best part of a decade, if not longer. Mm. Emily was telling me that every year you buy jeans at the start of the year and then it gets hot and you cut every single pair of them and then it gets to winter and you're like, oh, I haven't got any jeans and you have to buy them all again. It's not every year. It's probably, it's every two or three years that happens. Yeah. Yeah, so I have, I have a lot of jean shorts. <laughs> I don't have any. So have you got any going spare? What, jean shorts? Mm. I'll buy them off you. I can give you the, the bottom half of the legs. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, well, that's, that maybe will be the next thing, the next trend in trousers. Uh, well, it's just, it's just uh, leg warmers, isn't it? Yeah. To go with your jibs. Jib, oh, so you can extend for winter. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, they look like traditional bib shorts made out of denim. I don't know if I agree with you with the jean on a bike thing. Surely it's just it, all rigid and too, like they don't stretch and they're. Well, clearly they stretch if they're making bib shorts out of them. Yeah, but have you seen the picture of the man wearing them? Yeah. They don't look like they stretch. They just look really uncomfortable. They don't. That, that'll be elasticated. Can I interject? Of course. 
So I don't think it's that common with men's genes, but some women's genes, especially like skinny genes, when they Stretch. were a thing, they have like um, strands of elastic, basically like a lycra in them. So they become really stretchy, but they look like a, I don't know if it is technically, it's not pure denim, but yeah, it's like an elasticated but denim. weaved, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what these are. It's mental. Even the pocket on the outside, I've got a picture of the AG2R team, like a pro wearing them and it's, there's like a pocket on the side, which is, it looks like a, a back, a bum pocket of your jeans. Yeah. Just sewn on the side. That just looks weird. It looks weird. Not for me. Well, it's, it's just, it's just a look, isn't it? Well, I think it's just a marketing stunt. Probably. It's a change from the brown that they always used to wear, isn't it? They oh, literally they're the always used to have brown they? shorts, which course, was yeah. questionable. I don't see an issue with it. If some people want to, want to, you know, if that's, if that's the look that someone wants to go for, cool. Uh, I guess in theory they're not any more durable because there's going to be loads of elastin in it. Um, I, I would just wear jean shorts and I'm, you know, like if I was commuting to work, I'd probably just wear jean shorts and like a t-shirt. Moving on to this week's debrief. Could these airless tires be the future of puncture protection? I've been messaging this company every week. They probably hate me. For one week? For, <laughs> for one whole week. <laughs> no, for months. Probably a year since someone messaged me about them because we featured airless tires on Cade Media before, even when it was just me, uh, and tested them. They haven't always been that good. Emily used to used to ride some airless tires to work, didn't you? Back in London. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And they have always been a massive compromise. You never get punches, but they've been really harsh, mm -hmm. like really harsh. Um, if someone gets this right, it would be amazing. And a company called the Smart Tire Company have made a set of airless tires in collaboration with NASA. Is that right? And they have, so they've got a weird new material. Um, the tires contain a hollow metal structure, which is lightweight, highly flexible, very strong, and snaps back into its original state. They can basically never deflate and they have a tread. They, ha they can be retreaded after a certain amount of years. So if you eventually mm. wear out the tread on the outside, you can have that reapplied. Um, because it's a hollow structure, it should feel less stiff and uncomfortable than a solid tire like Tannis, which is the ones that we used. Which are horrible. Um, uh, but to reiterate, like there's a, there's a clip from one of the videos that we had where we dropped the bike on the floor in the shop and it just goes, Doof! it's just not... A, it, it's crazy how mm -hmm. stiff they are. Unusable for some people, I would imagine. Uh, the same technology was used for the Mars Rover, where fixing a flat tire is not an option. So that's where the technology came from. They launched on Kickstarter this week and have already raised over £100,000. Their original goal was £20,000. We might order some if we can't get in contact with the company. We Ideally, it's one of those weird Kickstarter things. So they end up, you buy it, and there's no official promise that you will get something, but you're essentially backing them. And then if you do get it, it's going to be months and months. We want it a little bit quicker here. So if anyone from Smart Tire Company is listening, please send us some. I, th I think they could be phenomenal. Yeah. And it feels like they, they are the airless tire that we've always wanted mm -hmm. because punctures are rubbish, especially in the UK where roads are crap. And off-roads are covered in thorns and 
horrible stuff. Yeah. It'd be, yeah, I, I, I'm furiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. And therefore I'd like to get a set. And if we have to buy some, isn't like if we have to go down the normal channels of waiting a couple of months to get some so that we can make some videos and actually tell you guys if they're any good, mm -hmm. so be it. But yep. I'll probably get a set just for me just because I'm interested anyway. Yeah. And don't want punch like it, it, it I, I know a lot of people and in that first ever video we posted about solitized people are like what's the point they're never going to be good but they do serve a purpose and your example was perfect emily of you were riding to work yes right? exactly i used to work night shifts as well through london so i was always i just did not want to have to stop for a puncture and also just like you know because it's dangerous because it, it's dangerous yeah i just didn't want to, i felt quite vulnerable if i was stood at the side of the road trying to fix a puncture but also you know on a morning if i give myself 20 minutes to get to work and i puncture then i'm going to be late for work as well yeah. so if it's only a 20 minute ride yes it was a bit of discomfort but it's worth it's the trade-off is worth it if they can make these twice as comfortable more like a hundred times. Hundred <laughs> They really were bad, weren't they? Yeah, they're terrible. Not as bad as the ones with the holes in. Do you remember those weird ones? They had like loads of holes. It was like drillium. But it didn't make any difference. They were all equally bad. Yeah. They're all terrible. Well, how, we've got some on the floor. There's some new ones. Not interesting. cheaper. We're not, they're not going on a bike. They take a week to put on a bike. I got them for you as a present. They took less to take off because we had to cut them off. And they're just terrible. So. Yeah, that's and true. if you remember rightly, they're an absolute sketch fest and just slide everywhere. They, that is also true. And I like skidding. So if you skid one of them, you then got a, a, a flat. I wonder flat how much point. these will end up costing RRP because the Kickstarter is outrageously expensive, but I'm, I'm sure that's not how much they will genuinely cost. How much is it? It's like $500 or something. Yeah, it's $500, about 400 quid for a set of just the tire. You can buy a wheel set as well, but for just the t two tires, it's 400 pounds. Oh yeah, you can get them installed on a set of alloy and carbon wheels. Oh really? That's, mm. that's, that's quite But they clever. just say carbon wheels. So clever. what does that mean? Does that what? There's a, quite a few different, different types of wheels. Well, it'll just be generic carbon. Well, yeah, but what? Quick release through X or what? Well, they'll ask you for that afterwards. Yeah, and then they'll realize it's, more effort than it's worth. It looks great. It looks cool, doesn't it? For the for the people just listening, the tire, it looks like a, a blue, I think you can get different colors, but it's like a blue semi-transparent circle in the shape of a tire with, and you can see the fibers inside. We see like a, it looks almost like a coil mm. of metal stuff. Um, and the example on their website of that, that material, would you know the name of it? There's a, there's a name for the material itself. It's something like shape memory alloy or yeah, something so like that. Like it's an alloy. It, could have, it can go back to exactly the shape it was, whatever they want it to be, it can always return to that shape. A bit like carbon fibers, like really, it wants to be in the shape it was made in, doesn't it? Once it's been put into a weave. So, I don't know, I'm excited to try these. I, I'm, I, I want them. I want them now. Do you think if they remained at £400 but they were phenomenal. They work great. Obviously, you're still going to, I'm assuming it's some sort of like tire outer, which is still going to wear down over time. Do you think that's still good value? If it was good. It has the potential to be. Because how many winters of cycling could you, it's safer like roadie. The, the use case for a roadie is winter tire. You don't really care. I disagree. I disagree. I think it's all year round. What, out, out riding? Yeah. Or would it in a bit, it would be slow. So what? What is your obsession with performance? Who gives a shit? That's uh, the kind of people I ride with. As I say, roadie. So, like, well, yeah, as a roadie, I would still rather go on a road ride with those tires if they are five minutes slower over 40 kilometers 
because I know I guaranteed I'm not going to have to faff about on the side of the road and get my hands dirty. It, d- or, it depends how much slower they are. It depends how much lower they are. I still wouldn't care. I would still rather these than get punctures. Yeah. But with the greatest respect, you ride with different people to the people that I ride with. Wait, I, I still don't think it matters. Ride, ride with people that aren't dicks. <laughs> like, you know, it's like... Now nah, there's just a certain pace, isn't there? There's a certain pace you want to ride. There's a certain uh, capability that your bike needs to meet. Like a certain requirement. No, I think I think that represents a very small proportion. Of it does. It bike. does. But there's a lot of people like that who want to, who, that's the kind of riding they want to do. And perhaps if this tire is not fast enough, they won't use it unless it's winter thing. But if it's going to save you tons of money all through winter, like well, if, if in the space of, because they say it will outlast, as long as it's retreaded, which I, I imagine won't be too expensive, it will outlast the rider. Is that what it says? I think based on how much tires now cost what for a decent well 50 quid a pop well even for not decent you're still spending 40 quid 50 quid for two tires you can get some all right tires for 25 30 a normal person to change their tires it's at least 50 quid yeah so if these are 400 quid and they last a decade Mm -hmm. if they last five years pay for themselves then it you know, obviously it depends how hard and how much it costs to reskin them and obviously how comfortable they are, but they, they even at £400, it has the potential to be a good value product. My fear is that the retreading them is going to be expensive. Sounds, that sounds problematic. like that's going to be that you're going to end up spending the same. Mm. But perhaps not. Perhaps, you know, like fitting a tubeless tire is a nightmare. Maybe it's just that you like peel it off and stretch a new one on and you can mm-hmm. do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, speculation, who knows what it's going to be. I think that as with all products as the, uh, or new products, it takes time for the price to come down. So I think it's very likely that if this product takes off, the price will come down, but I still would expect it to be significantly more expensive than, um, a couple of tires that last, you know, however many thousand kilometers and then end up in most cases going in the bin. Yeah. Uh, is this product more sustainable then? Because in theory, there's perha- there's perhaps less wastage. I don't know. I don't know. Enough Again, the tread the tread just looks like a piece of tire. Yeah, rubber. So there's less of it though, isn't there? There is less of it, there and also presumably no inner tubes going to waste. Yeah, or sealant, silicon sealant stuff. I reckon this is uh, my prediction is that it will be a better, a significantly better version of a Tannis and it will have the same sort of market. It will be the same sort of person that wants it. It will be, you're riding to work. You definitely don't want a puncher commuter thing. It won't, it will not be used by performance focused people. Yeah. But when I say performance, I mean like going for a proper ride in inverted commas. <laughs> terrible. It's true. <laughs> you're on the wrong podcast. You should be with the Nero boys. <laughs> I massively disagree. Cause if this is a good product, I would use it first. The first thing I would do is put it on all my bikes. Because then I don't have to think about sealant or tubes or having to Imagine change. How much that would cost in one go? No, but the but the point is, it's still a good investment. Yeah. If I can afford it, it's still a good investment. I'm not going to be going like, oh, it's two kilometers slower. I'm going to have to do more watts. I'm going to go. Well, it's all right. You're you're going to be gonna, not... you're going to be on the side of the road changing your puncture, and then I'm going to go past you <laughs> like, like a turtle. <laughs> so it's not going to be two k an hour. So it's going to be like way slower. You don't even know that. I, I it's my prediction. You're, you're so obsessed with performance that you're like, yeah, it's going to be shit. It's definitely shit, not for me. I, no, I am open. I am being open to it being good. 
<laughs> but good but slow. <laughs> good but slow. Yeah. Yeah. Motor doping has been back in the news. Motor doping means doping inside your bike. Excellent explanation. <laughs> it means hiding or hi yeah, hiding a, a motor on a bike so that you get an unfair advantage. I remember this from back in like Cancellara. Fabian Cancellara was accused of this uh, when he won, I think Paris-Roubaix and Flanders in one year. Right. And there was like a clip of him doing something sus like moving his hand in a weird way in the race. And people were like, oh, and then he rides away and he attacks like in the saddle and just rides away from everyone and then wins. And they, uh, that was, everyone's like, oh, motor doping, he must have been. Probably was. Conspiracy. I'm joking. I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he was. <laughs> Someone's actually been caught for this. Female Belgium rider called, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Femke van de Dreisig. Femke, Femke van de Dreisig. Uh, was found to have a concealed motor in her bike in the World Champs in 2016. So that's the historical stuff, but it's back in the news recently because retired pro Jerome Pinot went on a podcast and accused Sepp Kuss uh, of motor doping. He said that Kuss literally dropped top riders and had rode away for 10 seconds without pedaling. He provided no evidence for the accusations and Jumbo Visma has shut down any claims. The UCI now regularly test for hidden motors, which involve x-raying the bike. I wonder how often those tests are actually done. I think a lot. Yeah. Uh, this year's Tour de France, they conducted 997 tests. <laughs> Just answered my question. That's a lot. That's a lot it? of tests for hidden motors and all came back negative. Uh, but yeah, people have been caught in the past. I'm pretty, I, I feel like a long time ago, maybe it was around the time of this, this, this last that got caught that it was actually, it wasn't like an e-bike motor. It was things like micro motors around like the bottom bracket. Yeah. Yeah. So in the seat tube in the bottom bracket was the one I'd saw. You could, you could uh, get it. So you, it your crank is getting like a tiny boost. It's mm -hmm. not like, you know, getting 30 K of speed for free without pedaling, it's like an extra couple of watts, but that might make all well, the difference. Well, I think it was it's significant watts, but just not for very long. Because if you think about the its range, the, the reason e-bikes are heavy, and they're getting lighter, but the re reason e-bikes are heavy is, is battery. Mm -hmm. Like the battery on your cargo bike is most of the weight. And the actual motor itself, and that's a really powerful one, is quite small. Like it just chunks under the bottom bracket, doesn't it? And that's it. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the more modern e-bikes that are coming out, the road bike focused ones and the gravel ones are, they're getting lighter and lighter and the, the actual motor bit is quite small. So I can believe that the item exists, like for sure. It, they just will only need it at the end of a stage. You need to need it for, how long do you want it for, to work for? 10 minutes? And just adding, if you can add 100 watts for 10 minutes, it's a lot of watts. It's not going to be 100 watts. You don't reckon? No, no way. No way. It's going to be like a 10, 20 watt boost. Nah, I reckon it's more. Not based on something that's like the size of a, well, just tiny. Did and you see how fast Cancellara rode? <laughs> I didn't. I actually didn't. <laughs> it must be 100 watts. Nah, uh, I don't know. I've seen there's also been accusations of other riders. I can't remember who. There was a clip of a, a rider crashing and then his back wheel was stopped. And then the bike like skidded along the ground and the back wheel started spinning. And there was no real explanation for, for why. Well, ghosts, obviously. But obviously, it must be ghosts mm. or motors. Or gravity. Mm. But this guy has no evidence. Perhaps he's just 
chatting a load of crap. I've got on topic, mm. but a slight digress. Yeah. So what I'm inspired by from what we've just gone through is I feel like there's a middle ground between current racing and Zwift racing. Almost think of it like go-karting. I think there should be a new race format where e-bikes are allowed. That already and you, exists. And you've got like boosts and things like that. E-mountain bike world champs. I'm not mountain biking. That's crap. Crit racing. Crit right? You want like a, a, a road bike e-event. So exactly what Zwift are trying to do with e-racing. Yeah. But in real life. In real world. So actually every lap you get an extra boost. Or if you do certain things, you get like Surely there should be people by the, side, like by the side who just like randomly do it. You, your team can do it. Give you a boost, let's speed them up. No, no, because it needs to be about like, you have to do the skill. something. Like if you do a power slide around the corner, you get like a speed boost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, to be fair, e-mountain bike world champs. Is it the world champs? Like, or is it in the Olympics? It was one of those. There's, there's an e-mountain bike category where pros race and... Um, Tony was telling me about it the other day because they have cross-country mountain bike. Like historically, e-bikes were quite long travel bikes, heavy long travel means that you know the suspension's bigger at the front. They were for downhilling and then riding back uphill again. It's not miserable riding the whole way back uphill. They've started companies have started making cross-country, so much lighter bikes with shorter travel and electric motors, which are less powerful, but the whole bike is lighter. And I'm sure the riders who are using those lighter ones at the moment in those events are actually winning because it's more like a normal bike. But technology getting smaller and they're putting it in. It's quite cool. It's like the, the bike choice for those events, despite the bike being a lot less powerful, the, the faster option for a fit rider, a, a professional racer, is the one that's slightly less powerful but is lighter and feels like a normal bike. So there's, the bike choice is really important. It's quite a cool discipline. I, I, it's really interesting to watch. It's mountain biking though, isn't it? What, boring for you? <laughs> you loved mountain biking when I took you. First ever trail, black trail. So back to my point. What was your point? E-crit racing. I want it to happen. Okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Our big question of the day is, how do you motivate yourself to ride consistently over winter? For lots of us, the weather is soon going to turn grim. The nights and mornings are darker. It can be, uh, it's very hard to stay consistent with your bike riding. And that is true. So it can also be hard in, in summer as well. How do you, how do you solve this problem? Because <laughs> my way of solving it is I just leave. Throw money at it. Yeah. 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 
unfortunately. Well, we're in a very have been in a really privileged position to be able to continue working and go somewhere to film a series of videos somewhere warmer. And and this is the reason why a lot of pro cyclists or aspiring pro cyclists who are very performance focused will go to a place like Calpe for a month, two months, Mallorca. You know, they go to these like warmer climates. That's not an option for everybody. However, it is what I've done for the last few years. It is, yeah. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's an option for some people, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, even having, I think a lot of people use, I know the backyard a lot, so some of the lads that ride up here, they will very often go away to Mallorca or various other places early in the season. Mm. So they'll go on a holiday in like March, April, May time. So you've got something to work towards. So having something to work towards the following spring, following oh, they're, they're, summer, they'll treat that as their... We, I need to get fit or stay fit yeah. for this for this holiday that I'm going to go on. And so yeah, so yeah, you yeah. do blocks of training, probably indoors, but not always indoors, thinking like, well, I want to be in good shape so that when I go back to Mallorca, I'll have, I have a cracker. What's it called? Sacalabra. Sacalabra. Sac- I think, yeah. Then, Sacalabra? Sacalabra? I don't know. I don't know. I've never been to Mallorca. Yeah, me neither. You, you know, every, if you go the same place every year, you have a, a qualifying, you basically have your, your A race every time trying to see how quick you go up a climb. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having having uh, an event to aim towards in terms of running, it was always historically London Marathon because London Marathon's in like April or something. Rather, mm. I, I think it is back to that. They changed it with COVID and things. So you would always have to train for London Marathon through winter, which is hideous because you'd be out doing you know four hour runs in terrible weather uh, through the winter for then the early in the season. Uh, kit kit is is is, is a given. Oh, um, just wet weather kit. Is the main is the big thing, isn't it? Like, well, well just cold as well. You know, it's it's not a, a, so for the northeast. It's quite easy to get through a lot of the winter without getting wet. You might get splash off the road, but you can quite easily avoid rain. But you cannot avoid cold. Cold, yeah, impossible yeah, 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 to yeah, avoid yeah, yeah. cold. Well, that's to say, if you've only if you can only ride at the weekend, which a lot of people that's the situation, you're not going to always be able to avoid rain. But you can quite often. You pick your time of day. Yeah, I suppose. In the northeast as well, which is what I'm saying, it's not that wet in winter. No. Nah. And in the winter, like here, oh, if you're in the UK, roads get gritted. There's salt in the grit. Mm. It messes up your bike. Wash your bike. Wash it, but well, wash it. But there's almost nothing you can do. Yeah. Like it's gonna, you're gonna have to service it or ride a winter bike if you have one that has got cheaper parts on it. So pick good mm. clothing. Uh, make sure you're warm. Give yourself the option to take stuff off if you're too warm. Good gloves. Overshoes. Overshoes is a good one. Or, or I use uh, like proper winter boots. Oh, cycling. Boots. I think pretty underrated. What, if you are? can find a pair, yeah. If you can find a pair that fit you, I struggle with finding cycling shoes that work for me, and I've never found a warm pair like that. But you can get like winter booty sort of. They, yeah, they they. You don't need to put overshoes on top of them. As, as someone which has really bad circulation, the only way I've been able to cycle in winter without my toes disappearing from my body is with winter boots. Mm-hmm. So I have a road version and I have an off-road version. Yeah. And they're phenomenal. Yeah. You can try uh, spats. They look horrible, but they are probably the best overshoe solution for keeping your feet dry. I would never S-P-A-T-Z. use them. I hate them. 
because of how they look. I just, I just can't get them. I just can't, I, just, I can't do it. And they, they do, they're like really long overshoes, aren't they? So they go, they're pain in the ass to get on. And they go all the way up your leg, like just below the knee kind of thing. And that stops. Because if you wear normal length overshoes, more often than not, water goes in the top, works its way down. And if you're doing a three or four, four hour ride, you're still getting wet feet by the end. And I think that's what spats try to stop. Yes. Yeah. I, it's, they do it's, a pretty it's a good, good product. There is a good product. It's, it's just not for product. me. Gore Shake Dry, another piece of amazing kit, but discontinued now. I use an aero helmet only in winter. Winter, oh, because it's, it's got less vents for Let, cold stuff to go yeah, in and wet. If, if, if it rains, it kind of, it generally, the water fall, falls off it better. Yeah. Do you wear, you, you wear a cap in summer sometimes, don't you? Only because of tan lines and bugs. Yeah. What about in winter? Do you put a thing... You cover your ears and stuff. Yeah, so I use so we did with Atticus neck warmers. Yeah, which are like it's basically a rectangle of fabric. So I use it as a skull cap. So you basically put it on, do a little twisty thing, put it back down on itself. So then I've basically got ear covers and just kind of like gives my head a bit of protection. Mm. But you still get a bit of ventilation out the top of it. Yeah. See, I've never people commented on this for years when I was doing riding videos in the snow and stuff. I never wear a head. Covering, like yeah, but if you don't need it, helmet need only. It. I don't for some reason. I must maybe it's circulation thing. I don't get cold hands. I don't get cold feet. I don't get cold head, unless it's like four hours of rain. Yeah. Um. And it, but even then, my head's always fine. Hat, fingers are probably the first thing. For, for someone that always complains about the cold, you wear less kit than anyone I know when it's cold. Yeah, I get very hot when I ride. As soon as I'm, as soon as I'm riding, I'm fine. Um. What other uh, equipment-related ones? Mud guards. I would definitely always recommend mud guards. Full-length mud guards. Yeah, proper, proper full ones because they'll keep water off you, which means that you are going to be warmer and you're going to be more comfortable and enjoyable on the bike. Like just the whole bike ride is going to be better if you have mud guards. Bike on. stays clean, and that bike well. basically it's amazing. Like real full-length mud guards make a big, big difference. Yeah, your drivetrain doesn't stay clean, but your bike does. Yes. Bear in mind, you need. Decent tire clearance, and you won't be able to fit as big tires in often as the frame manufacturers say. If you then put mud guards in as well, the, in this section, I would also love to be able to recommend airless tires because <laughs> this is just—it's just perfect for it, isn't it? Yeah. One of the things that's horrible about riding in winter outside is if you do get a puncture, it's just the worst. You, you're going to end up getting covered in crap. Your hands are cold, hands so are, they don't they yeah. don't work. So you can't get the tires. Just, off. just the whole process <laughs> is just going to make you want to turn around and go home. I so, would prepare. I would like if 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 I was going to ride a if I was doing a whole winter riding in the UK, I would change things on my bike. I would always have a frame pump. Mm -hmm. I would always have mud guards, and I would always wear all of that wet weather kit for sure. Um, but yeah, frame, like frame pump is that's that's the thing people forget that it exists and that is a really good thing it's one less thing in your pocket and you're gonna it it makes it 10 times faster to get air and tire agreed and you'll be everyone's favorite on the ride as well when you pull out a frame pump and everyone's got their little indoor training for mm. me as soon as the weather changes and funnily enough actually yesterday i started so so i recently moved house i've been in a new house for th three months maybe four months um, it's been summer and I've been too busy to ride my bike anyway, so I haven't been riding bikes, but yesterday was the point. It feels like winter is on its way. And I was like, now's the chance, make some space, find the turbo, put my bike on it, 
stole the Zwift Play controllers from, oh, that we from have Cade Media so I can yeah. actually see what they're like over the next couple of months. Were they good? Well, I don't know yet. Oh, you haven't had to try? Okay. No, no. Well, yeah. I sent you a picture you of me. You sent me a picture of you in, in trousers. Full clothes, <laughs> but with cycling shoes on. I know. On. Normally yeah. you send me naked pictures. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I know. You're disappointed. You're like, uh, what's the clothes about? <laughs> weird. <laughs> weird. Weird. Um, but yeah, my turbo set up because the weather's turning and I plan to train on a bike in winter. Mm. I always do. I, I am an ex-triathlete and if you're a triathlete, you ride turbo. That's just, that's just how it goes. Oh, and t- for specific training, it is, it's bang for buck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, you, you, I mean, the amount of time you spend freewheeling on a ride outside, even if it's really controlled, you, c- you end up having to do a little bit more as well. So... Ken always does this. Coach Ken, if he prescribes training sessions. Prescribes. Is that the right word? Well, technically. <laughs> prescribes. Sounds very clinical. When he gives people training sessions, if it's a turbo session, you can do it indoor or outdoor. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it on, the, on an indoor trainer, you can do less, pretty much. So it's like reduce it by 25% if it's just a steady ride. 25%? Is that the actual figure or are you just making that up? I'm making that up. I can't okay. remember. It's significant. If it's 25%. I'm never riding outdoors again. <laughs> <laughs> Just get it done. If it was like, yeah, well, yeah. If I had, if I was training for something and I had a coach and it was like, if you do it indoors, you can do 25% less honestly, every single 20, time. 20, 25%, I'm sure. You're sure? Mm. Not sure, sure. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, indoor, indoor training setup. Uh, for me, uh, I have used Zwift on and off for a long time. I probably will try some other ones this year because it feels like we're at the point where there's a lot of other options. Um, I don't have one of those like crazy indoor turbo setups. I have a good turbo. It's the Tax Neo, no, Flux S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh, cheaper one. Which is, yeah, it's about 600. Flux, does that have, does that rub your rear wheel? Or is it direct drive? No, it's direct drive. Direct drive. Yeah, okay, so it's is the cheaper version of the Neo. Yeah, it's about yeah. 600 pounds, I think, somewhere around that kind of price point, And it's phenomenal. It's got power meter in it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's basically the Neo 2, but... It has a different, it's smaller, it doesn't fold up, and it has to have a power source. And it doesn't have a, it's the maximum wattage. Yeah. There's a limit of like. It's maybe like 1100 rather than 2500. 2000 or watts like or something, yeah. yeah. Who's doing 2000 watts on a turbo? Probably people. Probably. So, yeah, it, I don't have like an overly fancy one. I've got an, a good, but not outrageously over the top turbo. I have what I call an industrial sized drummer fan which is just like a big metal fan you put on the floor. And I have a music stand, which I put my laptop and bits and pieces on. And now I've got your Zwift Play or Cade Media Zwift Play controllers to see what they're like. And that's that's good enough for me. Yeah. Um, I like to watch a film or watch TV or listen to music um, whilst also having a screen somewhere in my peripheral vision with Zwift on it or something just because, I don't know, there's something, there's something nice about having lots of distractions. But then when I turbo, I always do, I always keep it short. Do you do training? Do you do like uh, intervals or something like that? I will always do a structured session on a turbo and it'll always be short. You know, I'm I'm very rarely going over 50 minutes. It's probably a 40 minute session, simple warm up, blast myself, beat myself up a bit, simple cool down, bosh, I'm done. Crack on. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I can't, I've tried to do structured sessions on the indoor trainer and I always get too hot. And at, the, at one point, in, when I was trying to solve it, I had five fans all pointing at me. Three wind machine ones. I can see one in front of me right there. It's like a big, you know, the big, is that a drum fan? 
that what we call that? Uh, just one of those drummer big, fan, yeah. Yeah, big drummer, drummer fan. And then three of those pointing at me and two in front of me, 50k an hour Vacmaster air movers or something. And they're even stronger, but very quiet, pointing directly at me, still overheat. I'm doing my VO2 what, max What session. are you defining as overheat? Getting hot to the point where the heat is causing me not to be able to do the power anymore. Well, maybe you just you can not, feel yourself maybe getting you're just too not hot. as good as you think you are. No, outside is fine. Outside is fine. <laughs> yeah, but indoor indoors always lower wattage than outdoor. Yeah, a little bit, but not. The difference was just ridiculous. And then I found out to create the same amount of cooling as riding outdoor at 40k an hour, it takes nine fans like that. Ken was in the study, in a study, where they studied how hot you get on a turbo. Guess what? It's really hot. So you need to <laughs> really buy hot. four more fans. And you buy four more fans or just go outside and stop being a wuss. Do you have the Neo, Tax Neo or not? Yeah, 2T. It doesn't have to be plugged in, so just take it outside. Outside one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but it's a, it's stationary. It's the, the wind that you get from riding outside. It's not being outside. So outside with nine fans. Don't. Then I would be fine. Do you remember Ash Beach, mm-hmm. the blood guy? Yes. So he, he had a YouTube channel and he was obsessed with like manipulating his blood for performance. Legally, he was doing lots of like legal stuff, but like loads of iron and stuff and all that kind of thing. He used to do all of his turbos and he was like competing in the same stuff as Cam Jeffers mm. and all of that. And he didn't used to use a fan at all. No fan. No, he used to train specifically to be able to handle the heat. Yeah, like James Jobber. And, you know, he was he was very good. James Jobber from the bike shop in Newcastle. Pro, uh, it's continental level pro, as well as working in the bike shop. He has built a sauna in his house that he trains in. It's a room with just specifically for his bike and turbo, which is a sauna. Because he... He, his a race lot of his races is, is like Mauritius yeah. and Morocco. The Caribbean. Is yeah. there... <laughs> um, have, you, have you seen when he trains in, he'll, he, like when he rides home after a ride in the summer? Oh, 20 degrees f- outside. Full winter kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Air he, warmer. he'll be in the shop and they've got a fireplace that is like a furnace. Well, that's why backyard bike shops are always so hot. You go in, you're like, and Nick's there in his flip flops. Yeah. Sipping a mug. And Job is in there in like a woolly jumper trying to just get his body acclimatized to like 500 it. degrees. It works though, because he then like podiums, stage races at Conti level. Yeah, so maybe you need to get that into your head and find a better balance of what's hot and what's not hot. No, exactly. I'll just build a sauna in my house. I'll report back next week. What's the next point? Um, so something that I have historically done and is really, really useful is add some accountability. So if you're following a training plan, whether that be a generic one from Zwift or a generic one from Garmin or a specific one from a coach or a generic one from a coach in most cases, um, another topic, um, having that accountability and, you know, the, the forming a habit of, well, I'm doing three sessions a week, every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'm going to do a training session and they're all just pre-populated for you. Having that to follow for a couple of months or whatever is a really, really, really good tool, a really good asset to keeping yourself consistent over winter, especially if you're a competitive person, you can make it competitive by either getting a couple of your mates to all do it at the same time and then having a race at the end mm-hmm. or just doing it based on your own performance. So you could do an FTP or some kind of performance test at the beginning and then a performance test at the end. Ultimately having a consistent training plan that you try and stick to, You know, even if you have a very busy family life, 
if your family know at 8 a.m. every Tuesday morning and 8 p.m. every Thursday evening, you're going to be written off for an hour because you've got a training session to do. You know, you, you're creating that space to have some consistency through winter. I think it's really useful and something that I always used. And usually in this day and age, when I go, I should probably get myself fitter again, I'll start a training plan and it'll get me through about 10 days. And then I'll have formed enough habit that I just don't bother following it anymore, but I still just do some more training. Yeah. Once you're fit enough, it's easy to maintain, isn't it? Yeah, but it's about motivation though. Like, mm. yes, it's easy to maintain the fitness, but do you have the motivation to maintain that fitness when the weather's crap? Mm-hmm. No, because but you just fly to Calpe for three. <laughs> In the past, I have had that freedom. I would also like to caveat this whole winter section with: it is also okay to just not, not ride, ride at all. Like you definitely do. If if it's if the weather's hideous outside, if it's icy, just don't bother riding your bike. Mm-hmm. If you actually go, do you know what? I just don't want to ride at all this winter. Just don't. It's good to be active, you know, maybe still be active, do something to be like, have an element of fitness or an act, you know, being movement is good. So still move. But if you're the kind of person, which when it comes to winter, you just don't want to ride your bike. Don't do something else instead. Ride your bike in the summer, ride your your bike in the spring and and just don't ride it in winter. Do something else in winter. Like that is also fine. Uh, We like if, your mates put pressure on you and that is something that you don't want to do. Don't worry about it. No, you'll lose fitness after about two weeks by the numbers. However, you will also get it back very quickly when you start riding again. Yeah. Those cells have been created in your body. You to fill them up again later is an easier job than starting from scratch. So as fitness comes back surprisingly quickly, don't be too scared about losing it. And also, Everyone does at some point in the year. We, we don't need to be fit all year round. We need to be healthy all year round. But actually, the best time to kind of cycle fitness is probably the summer. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, you know, it gets to spring, the weather starts to turn and get nice. And you go, right, well, now's my chance to get my bike out and spend the next four or five months. Spend the next four or five months getting fit. And by the end of the summer, you're like, right, cool. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is also fine. I get, I guess something that's, important people when they do get into routine they put too much pressure on themselves to stick to it so the amount of times that it'll get to a sunday and that's the day especially well in the uk sunday is the day that everyone goes out for a bike ride it's just Mm -hmm. always traditionally been that whether you're in a club or not in a club and the amount of times that it's unbelievably icy especially up here in the northeast and you just know that people are still going to go out and ride it because they think that oh, I think there's some kind of stupid rule in the Illuminati thing about like hard be tougher or something rather. And then people go out and then you just wait for Facebook posts to come in about all of the broken collarbones and all of the crashes because it happens every single year when it's icy. People go out when they shouldn't like uh, for me, if it's icy, that is the the number one space where you go Tubbo. do not ride a bike. Just don't take a bike outside. You might be fine, but what's the, what's the point? Why risk it? Why risk breaking your collarbone or breaking your hip or smashing your bike up or crashing into a car and da- injuring someone else or into a pedestrian or another bike? Just don't bother. Can I um, add something to that? Yes, of course you can. If it's snowing and it is a bit icy, I used to just go out on a mountain bike. Snow is a, is a different thing. I like riding in the snow. Yeah. And I, inevitably there's bits. I used to do like really snowy rides on the mountain bike with my mates 
and there would be bits where you have to cross over a road. There's like little patches of road, isn't there, in mm -hmm. between. So think about the route. As long as you're not at risk of crashing there, you can probably get away with riding. But if you're going to crash, don't. If there's any risk. Time for another round of overrated, underrated. I'm going to read out a list of stuff and you're going to tell me if they are underrated or overrated. First up, Bianchi. Or is it Bianchi? I don't know. No one knows. Someone in the comments will know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows except for the comment people yeah, who don't exist in real life. Just in the comment section. AI. Just joking. A lovely comment people. Mm. I have never ridden a Bianchi. I have, however, broken one. I want one. I, I specifically want the Marco Pantani Bianchi. Mm. Bianchi. Marco Pantani edition. Nice he said this to the Recycle Your Bike guys yeah. the other day. I want one for the wall. The one he wrote, it was a special edition they launched, like, well, his face on it or something. No, it's just the, the, the famous colorway, like yellow and like bright, like yeah. sky blue. If I got a Bianchi, I want it to be. Well, no, it's like celeste. a teal, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's that. It's that celeste color and yellow. Nice. You'd recognize it. It's, it's mm. very iconic. Uh, I'd want one of them. I think the new era one, the front end of it looks absolutely horrible. They all, they all look the same now. Though, However, they? a lot of aero bikes look like that. So some people will like it. And that's fine. Um, I think the classic ones look really cool. So my my only interaction... Uh, well, there, there was one... I saw one in James's shop the other day. I've seen a few in person. There is one in particular which I... I destroyed because on my last, when I was a teenager, worked in a bike shop and on my last day of working in the bike shop, I was in there doing some mechanics and I threaded a bottom bracket into an Italian threaded frame, but I thought it was an English threaded frame. So I threaded it the wrong way and then it got stuck. You're very good at threading things. Cross-threading, stripping things, mm. stripping threads. Yep. That's like your speciality and bolts as well. Yeah. I cross-threaded a, a through axle. I know. Which is massive threads. How I, is that even possible? I was there. Mm. We were about to film the video. Nick was making fun of someone for doing that before. And I was like, ah, and the next day I did it myself. <laughs> I'm very impatient yeah. with some things. Overrated or underrated? Um, I, feel, I feel like I'm going to go under. Because I imagine they're quite good bikes, and at least here we don't see them very often. Mm. I definitely like the late nineties. They're really cool, Bianchi. Yeah, they have a cult following, don't they? Mm. I like how they stuck to their most of their bikes. You can get in their signature colorway. They look really cool. Yeah, but I've never ridden one, so I can't really comment. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually a good bike. I'm going to assume it's just same as everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go marginally under. I'm going to go under. Next up, Lachlan Morton, suggested by listener Brian. After you. Underrated. I like him. I've met him. I've ridden with him. Go on. On the Dimension Data training camp, the one that I was talking about Mark Cavendish the other day. Uh, we rode from, I was really hungover, and we cycled from Cape Town to Pal, I think it was called, which is a smaller town. South Africa and I rode there with the Dimension Data team and I was in a pace line and we kind of end up being paired with a rider and I was with Lachlan Morton and we talked about drop bears and he was really nice so what, I think we all had a headache from the night before what makes him underrated 
he just does his own thing, doesn't he? He just what he, he was racing regular professional bike races. Then he started doing ultra style stuff. And now he's doing fastest known times on weird setups and doing cool stuff to his bike and putting bags in places that no one ever has before. And he just does his own thing. Okay. And he's a really nice guy in my experience. So underrated. I think the amount that he's thrust in front of the cycling community is overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he is? Well, I don't think he's as spectacular as everyone makes out. There's a lot of people doing exactly what he's doing. Is that his fault though? Well, no. Like, Like, there's a lot of very, very good adventure cyclists doing innovative things. Yeah, but he's doing it at a level which is no one else is right. Well, there are people rivaling it, like the hitters in those um, big ultra events. But there's a small pool of them. Like they're they're extraordinary. Name one of the other people doing it. Lael Wilcox, Fiona Colbinger, Christoph Allegard, Mike Hall. Why aren't we hearing more about these people? Why is everything about Lachlan Morton? Um, Because I think the mainstream media, because mainstream cycling media has historically covered lots of pro cycling stuff and he is a pro. But I think it's kind of cool that he's showing he's he's the he's basically a pro cyclist not doing any traditional pro bike races and making a living because of it. And I bet he's paid well by his sponsors. And he's able to pick up other sponsors that aren't just from his team. So he's not completely stuck to doing exactly what the team want him to do. He's got Tailfin, sponsored by Tailfin. He's one of like the, the what are they called? R&D division. So you get bags. I'm on it as well. You get bags before they're released. You can test them. They give you the white bag so you can see where all the wear marks and stuff are on them. So he's paid by them. He's probably got other sponsors that are not directly team related. So he's in a much, you know, much. Don, do not disturb. I can't remember what I was saying. So he, so he has a much, so he has a, so he's in a much more secure position. It's not all your eggs in one sponsor basket. Like if you're on a cycling team, you can just get kicked off, and then you're stuck looking for another team. He is in a position where he's got the the team, which is a bunch of sponsors like Cannondale, EF, Rafa. Is it they're sponsored by Rafa still? And then he has his own sponsors as well. So if the team stops paying him, he's probably okay. And I like that setup. It's cool. I don't. I, I stand by it. I still don't think he's as, as spectacular as cycling media presents him as. Mm. I think that uh, there are more spectacular people in that space that get no airtime. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. True. Like Fiona is a great example of it. Yeah. But then I think she also doesn't want it. Have seen right? Like on the the rides she posts, and you look at the average wattages, and you're like, what the? It's mad. Yeah. It's mad. I think she probably doesn't. I get the feeling from her she doesn't want the attention, which is probably one of the reasons we don't see her as mm. much as people like Lachlan Morton. Is she full time? Maybe there's no impetus. Then there's no uh, need to because if you're making money from it and it's your main, it's your full time job is riding in these ultra event kind of things. You need to make sure you get enough sponsorship, so you need to be in the media make it worth it for the sponsors right i think maybe she's a medic for context this is the lady yeah. who won tcr yeah tcr um, yeah. a couple of years ago 
I'm not 100% sure. I can look it up, but I think that she's maybe a medic. Right. I I, th- I think, um, I, obviously, Lachlan Morton is a very high-caliber athlete. I just, I don't know. I just, every time I see him, probably because he's in, like, the pro cycling bubble, I just, I'm just repulsed by it. Because <laughs> it's pro cycling. I just, I just, there's something about it I don't like. It feels, it feels like it's being forced down my neck. Hmm. Whereas if you look at people like Fiona and people like Mike Hall, it feels like the reason I'm, I even know they exist is because they have this unbelievable passion for riding a bike, hmm. not because they're a marketing machine. I think that I, I would, I think Lachlan is like them. Probably, probably. But it's what, ha- what someone else does with your image, isn't it? Hmm. It's, 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 you know. Rafa and these companies use it, use you as the, the poster person. I, I'm guessing that he's like a Chris Hall, our mate Chris. So he like, loves riding his bike. Chris just wants to be able to ride all the time. Yeah. So if someone came up to him and said, he is £100,000 a year so that you can just keep riding your bike all the time, he's going to be like, well, obviously, yes. Cool. Yeah. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I guess it's it's going to be that kind of thing. Doesn't Lachlan's brother also ride, or is he? Does Gus Morton? Yeah, he was around in Red Hook days and did loads of stuff there. But they were both. They, 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 well, they did like a video series called Thereabouts, or a movie called Thereabouts, and yeah. they've done subsequent ones. Yeah, but, uh, and they're worth watch. Really good. So yeah, still overrated, <laughs> underrated. Fluff up of the week. Oh, that's a horrible noise. Fluff up of the week is me waking up this has ruined the whole last four days of filming i woke up four days ago in the middle of the night and i've i've i don't know if they call it this outside of england cricked my neck and you took a little like trap nerve or something from sleeping which is a horrendous injury and now i can't look left i'm like an owl oh no wait an owl can turn its head the mm. whole way around not like an owl i'm like uh Derek Zoolander. Derek Zoolander. No, he's just left. I can't seem to turn it anyway. It's getting better. I've been taking some painkillers. That's what happens when you get old. Huh. Do you just get injured from doing normal stuff? You, you're at the age where I was like, oh, wait there. Things just like are harder now. Yeah. So get used to it. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. No problem. That's made me feel really good. Good. Next up is Listener's Takeover. A tinder dating story from paul afternoon francis jimmy and producer emily jimmy said he wasn't interested in tinder stories but this was a cycling specific slant that perhaps even he will enjoy i doubt it and jimmy doesn't enjoy many things (laughs) just fanless turbos my friend after an extended period of being single happened upon a lady on tinder who was photographed with her bike the conversation seemed to go well probably starting with a shared hatred of BB30 bottom brackets. Oh, Jesus. And they agreed to meet up and go for a ride. Now, my friend is highly competitive, and this lady was seemingly incredibly strong. What ensued was him desperately trying to pretend he wasn't struggling, followed by an epic bonk of the kind he wasn't planning. And finally, him by the side of the road, that was terrible, cradling his legs while suffering from cramps. I'm told he was whimpering while she looked at him bemused. She finished the ride alone. What makes this more amusing, circa five years later, we were spectating at a local crit a few days after he celebrated four years happily with his new girlfriend. 
I remarked on how impressive one of the female riders was, and at that point he leant over and whispered, Tinder girl. Regards, Paul. That is quite a good story. That is a good story. I'm glad they ended up together, and I'm glad he suffered on the ride. It does feel like <laughs> my friend is in inverted commas, doesn't it? Oh, you think this is Paul? Perhaps. He whispered in his own ear. Yep. If you've got any questions or stories, send it to Wild Ones Podcast at cavemedia.co.uk. That is all for this episode. Please leave us a review if you are on Spotify, Amazon, or iTunes or any of those, because uh, it really helps us. And thank you so much for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.